sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills.
Because when I used to pray for their salvation, I used to, without thinking, arrange who I thought would be born again first. And your prophet was the last on the list. I always thought that pain would be born again before Kaka. That was my mind. But that's not what God's plan was. So you never know, you know, what God can do. And then when he gave his life to Christ, everything was very dramatic and very fast. You know, he started to receive visions and dreams and God came to him and told him he has to serve him full time all the days of his life. You know, so even though prayer had gone on for many years, it's like when God decided to do it, it was in rapid succession, you know, and he rather came into full-time ministry. So sometimes your mind is not God's mind. Amen. So I want to salute him and all the pastors and leaders and his virtuous wife. For all the wonderful work they have done all over the years and also for supporting Bishop Dag all these years. I told you in the second service that he was our first architect for our, our house because we couldn't afford to. We chose a student architect. <laughs> so it's been many years and God has been gracious through it all. Amen. Your theme has been the spiritual woman. Amen? I believe that the brothers also will become spiritual. Amen. Because some brothers are also very, very, very carnal. <laughs> and when they descend into the carnality, it's not easy. But this morning, we talked about being spiritual. And I refer to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, where Paul said that the God of peace will sanctify you wholly in spirit, that you be preserved wholly in spirit, in soul, and in body. And that whether we like it or not, man is in three parts. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and he lives in a body. Therefore, if the theme is the spiritual man, then it's talking about Allowing our spirit man to lead us, to lead our souls, to lead our bodies. And when the spirit man is the leader, we will go into a good place. You know, in everything, your head is very important. As soon as your head doesn't work, your legs, your everything falls apart. Amen? That's why, ladies, when you are going to marry, you should choose your head carefully. Because if the head doesn't work well, the rest of the body walks in so many funny places. But I believe that when your head or your leader is correct or is working well, the other parts of the body follow. It is the same with the spirit man. If a spirit man is whole and leads you, then the other things will fall into place. Amen. So we need to be sanctified wholly. Not only some of us are very strong academically. You know, when the Bible says in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord, we are strong in politics. We are strong in academia. We are strong in dressing. We are strong in dressing like the woman in the drama. You see? 
But to be spiritual doesn't mean you should also dress like a curtain. You see? As soon as she came on stage, I said, ah, but what type of dressing is this? So I agreed with the other ladies who said, the fact that you are spiritual doesn't mean you should look like a curtain. You should look like this, the temple of God. Amen. And so we went through what it means to be spiritual. And we went through second service, how to be steadfast. And one of the ways to be steadfast was not to love the world. And not to be taken up by the lusts for other things which choke the word. And the corruption that comes into the world through lust. Amen. One of the things we said in the first service was that to be spiritual means to be deep. And I explained that, you know, the Bible says, deep calleth unto deep. So usually when you are deep, you are attracted to deep friends. And when you are shallow, you are attracted to shallow friends. And when deep people speak, you are not happy. You feel that they are raising the bar or the standard too much. So, Because you are also not deep spiritually, you don't flow. You know, but the Bible says about the man who built on the rock that he dug deep. He dug deep. That's the word the Bible, the expression the Bible uses. And the one with sand was a very shallow type of work. So a spiritual woman is somebody who digs deep. And when you dig deep, it is not that you don't have storms. Sometimes as Christians, we feel that we will not have storms will not have difficulties. But if you look at the parable of the two houses, it was the same storm that came to the two houses. It was the same flood. It was the same wind that blew, hit, blew vehemently against them. But at the end of the storm, one was completely devastated and one was still standing. What was the secret? The secret was the digging deep. And so if we want to be spiritual... We will have to learn to dig deep. When you dig deep, you don't look attractive. Because a shallow man finishes his, his, his building very fast. Then you, don't say, hey, how long will she take to get married? How long will she take to prosper? How long will she take before we see that God is with her? Because the other person has put up his house, fixed windows, done finishing and even done housewarming. And you, because you chose to dig deep, you are still at it. But when you finish, the houses may even look similar. The only thing that reveals the material is storms. Amen, ladies. So when we build our lives, we don't build it for today. When I look at my own life, you know, I was privileged to meet God at a very early stage. So sometimes when people say, oh, this one, she was a good girl and this one was a bad, I, I sometimes think that you don't even know how you would have been if you had gone through certain temptations. So it is actually the mercy of God. And I think that God's mercy just covered me. And God's mercy also came in the form of my, husband, my father's strictness. 
you know. So I found Christ at a very tender age through my Sunday school teacher, who, by the way, is still alive. He's in the States. He's blind. He's 70 plus. He's blind. And he's still preaching the gospel, taking tracks to different places and being warned not to come there again. He's still radical, you know. But he led me to Christ in a small Methodist church. I went for a funeral on Friday, and I was showing our second D bishop. I said, the church was not in this big hall you see. The church was on this small side. And then I remembered, I said, our pastor was a white man because the missionaries hadn't gone. And they used to call him Sofu Dennis. I'm sure your prophet was not born then. Because when I was in lower six, he was in form one. And there was also Sofu Mami Dennis. And there were two white people, a white couple. And I remember, I just remembered suddenly on Friday that Sofu Mami Dennis used to wear African clothes like Slater and Kaba. And the Sunday school that I attended was in a wooden structure. And it was there that I was introduced to Jesus. And when I was introduced to Jesus, Teacher Yamwa told me that at that age that God has called you and you must never forget that. But I never understood it as a child. God has called you. When I got to secondary school in Form 2, I tried to be a guy. I used to go to SU, then I stopped. Then 6 o'clock after dining, they were going for prayer meeting, and I was sitting along the corridor. And then there were some two twins called the Osegenin twins who were always on fire. They used to be in Church of Pentecost. So they were passing. And then they saw me sitting along the corridor. It was called, it is called Lover's Lane near the church because it has two big tiles. So it's Lover's Lane. So I was sitting there talking to my friends and then they passed. Then they came back and they said, Adelaide, is that you? And I was like, hey, now I'm informed to what are they talking about? They said, is that you that today, when the saints of God are going to the house of God to pray, you are sitting here chatting, and you are not even moved. This is not the Adelaide we know. This is not the Adelaide we know. That statement alone turned me around. Because I became very ashamed. What are this Rebecca and Regina saying? You know? So then the next day, I decided to start going for the evening prayer meetings. And God has been so faithful over all the years, through all the changing scenes of life. Of course, there are many boys that wrapped me. But when I decide, okay, this boy, I think I like it. When he comes next time, I'll say yes. When he says, so what do you say? I become dumb. I I'm looking at the person. So what do you say about my proposal, what I'm saying? No. No. Because something, there was a seed that would not allow me. I didn't know my future. I didn't know what God had planned. But I just couldn't be released. Then my big brothers would say, we're going for a party. So they would take me to the party. When I go, people would come and call you. Shall we have a dance? Whatever. And then, in those days, you know, you have to pose. And especially you, you size the person up. Zzz, 
do you think you are my type? So on the few occasions, I'll say, yes, let's go and dance. When we get to the floor, then they'll change cool music. Hey, how will I now dance? Child of God. So I remember one of the boys, he was drawing me to himself to dance as much as So we dance like this. I could not bring myself that you should bring your body against mine. I knew that I was the temple of the living God. So even he asked me that, so what's the point in the dance? I said, this is the point. This is the point. I'm saying that to say that God was faithful and kept me through secondary school. You know, at a point I became a Bible study leader through so many things. Even when I got to university first year, I said, oh, these SU boys, I don't like the way they dress. So, I will not go out with any SU boy. I will go out with a boy who dresses nicely. And then, I will convert him to Christ. So, I was in UCF all right, and every day they would say, Sister, would you lead worship? I used to lead praise and worship. So, I would lead praise and worship and all that. And then I didn't like UCF. That was the first time I realized that every day there are topics about marriage, how to find a partner, how to... I said, oh, no, it's too much. And then I met this guy who was not a believer. But I used to tell my friend who was a believer that what I like about him is that he can dress so well then he wear chalewotis. <laughs> that was the part that just freaked me out, you know? So then, we went for a meeting. I said to my friend, let's go. We are going to witness to this guy. He has to give his life to Christ. So we went. Hey, the fastest conversion on earth. When we knocked on the door, I said, oh, we've come to share Jesus with you. Oh, okay. I'm very happy about that. Sit down. So we sat down, and we talked to him about Jesus. And I said, do you want to give your life to Christ? Yes. When? Now? So I led him to Christ. And I said, do you have a Bible? He said, wait. When I was coming to school, my mother gave me a Bible. Took a chair, stood, looking for it on top of the wardrobe. I said, this guy is very serious with God. He loves God. So I said, okay. Then when he looked, he didn't find the Bible. So I said, okay. We will try and bring you a Bible, but you must read your Bible. You must grow. You must... But then he said, oh, I was even going to the rooftop for a jam, but the way you have preached, I can't go. So after I saw my friend who knew this guy, and then my friend, she was not serious with God. So I said to her, praise the Lord. We just came from this, and he's giving his life to Christ. She said, eh, are you convinced? I said, I'm convinced. So the next morning, Saturday morning, I'm going, and then I meet this, my bad friend. She said, you said what? I saw him at the jam. He was dancing. I said, what? And then God told me, I never entered into a formal relationship with him, but I just went to my room one night, one Friday night after all the meetings. I believe the Holy Spirit walked in. And those days, I didn't know how to be led by the Spirit of God. I had not met Bishop Dad for him to teach me. So I just opened my Bible. I said, God, speak to me. And I opened my Bible. And it fell on the verse that says, therefore, 
Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. And I will be your God and you shall be my sons and my daughters. So based on that, I said, God, I'm not going to have this, this type of friend. I'm just going to serve you. I cried buckets over somebody I've not said yes to. I cried buckets just to, you know, dissociate. Nothing had happened, but just to, and I said, Lord, I'll serve you no matter what it means. And from that time, I was liberated. Not knowing what God had in store. But I'm saying all this to say that when you say that somebody dug deep, it doesn't happen in a day, not even in an hour. But as you walk with God, things come up and then you dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And as you dig deep like that, later the storms will come. The storms of a funny man. The storms of somebody who doesn't love God. The storms of somebody you love who doesn't love God. All those storms will come. But at the end of the day, because you have dug deep, you will find out that you are standing. Not because you are a magician, but because as a spiritual woman, you dug deep. Amen. And then as time went on, I grew into things of a charismatic faith. I didn't know anything about it because I came from a very orthodox background. But the Lord started to teach me about using the name of Jesus, binding demons through Bishop Dag, who was then the president of a fellowship. And little by little, God has brought me this far. And I am still a work in progress. Amen. But I find the many things that come my way, when I get there, sometimes I don't know what to do. Then a verse that I meditated on many years ago, as a single girl, sometimes even in high school, that verse comes back to me. And often when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, it's very lucid. It's not, it's not like a, an idea or hazy that you are thinking. It's very direct and it's very clear. And often it will be a scripture that I, I'm not even thinking about. What is happening? The deep that you, the depth that you dug, the depth that you allowed God to make you into keeps you standing after the storm. Not because you are a superwoman, but because the grace of God has worked on you all these years. And you, by the grace of God, have allowed yourself. And then you become what God wants you to become. Amen. This evening, I'm just chatting with you about being deep. Amen. As I've grown in God, one of my greatest challenges has been dealing with constant change. Because when I married my husband, he was the pastor of one church. Then at a point, he became a pastor of a few branches. And any time he had to start the branches, most of the branches, he traveled to the place. And then he would live there for three months and then start the church. So like the church in Geneva, he went to Geneva for three months, lived in a hostel with so many funny people, so many fun, because that's what he could afford. 
and then would go to the streets, person to person, and talk to people about Jesus. Then he started the church. Got Pastor Jimmy, who came along, and he was taught how to play the drums by Bishop so that they would raise up a few musicians. And then the church in Geneva started. When the church in Geneva was underway, I was in Ghana working, I think, at the Attorney General's Department. And then I needed help in my house. So I asked somebody to help me. The person brought me a boy. Um, when he came the first day, I spoke to him. But by the evening, I didn't have rest in my spirit. So I said, no, I, I, don't, I don't want this boy. So I called him and I said, tomorrow you leave. Oh, but I just came. I said, yes, you leave because I just feel it's not going to work. He got very angry. And he was talking. Why should you do that? You, this woman. This. Then I said, you know, you just came. But... I want to look through your things so that when you go and something is missing, I will not be having bad thoughts about you. So I want to look into the plastic bag you brought. When I looked into it, talismans, plenty, tied, tied, a lot. And I said, you, you have to leave. You, this woman, you will see. I was alone. I said, I will not see in Jesus' name. So you see what will happen to you. I said, the blood. I overcome you by the blood and by the word of my testimony. I overcome you. Then he, he went through the gate. Beloved, you will not dream the things that will come your way. Your husband has traveled. And you, you don't know God for yourself. Wherein lies your depths? When you call your husband... He's on stage preaching. He does not hear. Not because he doesn't love you. Not because he didn't mean his vows. But because it's only God who will never leave you nor forsake you. Every husband has limitations. Every wife has limitations. But our God does not have limitations. Amen. After that, I was driving to work. When suddenly I was, I was charged. That day I prayed and I was charged and happy. Praying, singing, praise and worship. Suddenly somebody just drove into me. And then the man came down and said, Madam, I don't know why. I've been driving for 20 years. I've never had an accident. I don't know how I drove into you. So then that means with my two children, no house help. Husband traveled and no car. It wasn't easy. Soon after that, thieves came to my house. I was alone. But when I look back, the thieves shook me because you feel violated. You feel somebody has intruded into your space. You feel, you know. And I remember that as I went to God in prayer, I began to cry, Lord, I don't know what to do those days, you didn't have mobile phones. You know, so you have to wait for landline. PNT didn't always work. So your beloved will, or your husband will write to you and it will take some time before it gets to you. 
It's just, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know. You know, I felt a bit alone. And then the Lord would speak to you and tell you, I told you that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then a verse that he told you, he said that in all these things, we are more than conquerors. He said, I didn't say out of them. I said in them, we are more than conquerors. But if you don't have any storehouse of the word, when the things come, what happens to you? Most ladies, you have investment in wigs. You have investment in lace cloth. You have investment in fidelity bank. You have in investment in microfinance. Some of them, they collapse. You have investment in a relationship. In fact, you love that man more than you love and everything he tells you, you would do even if it's contrary to God's way. But you don't have any investment in spiritual things. When we say, show us your statement, your bank statement, your spiritual bank statement, it's always in the red. Always. But life is more than all the glitzy and bright things you see. So build your house on the rock. Be deep. Amen. Be deep. Because life is complex. Be deep. Because it's not easy. And be deep so that after the storm, you will still be standing. Amen. The Bible says if you faint in the time of adversity, your strength is small. When adversity comes, you are just gone. It's because you didn't dig deep. I pray that from this conference, you, this convention, you will become a woman of depth. Amen. Now, how do we have a deeper Christian life? Luke 8, verse 13. The parable of the sower gives various reasons why some of the seeds could not grow. Some seeds could not grow because they fell on rocky soil. Jesus explained that these are the ones who receive the word of God with joy and even believe for a while. But in the time of testing, they fall away. Why? Because they have no roots. When you read the scripture, it says, they on the rock are they which... When they hear, they receive the word with joy. It's good that the way you receive the word is important. Amen? Some people receive the word with gloomy faces. Some people receive the word with suspicion and skepticism. Some people receive the word with disdain. So it is a good thing to receive the word of God with joy. That's the first step. And these have no roots. These have no roots. Another version says they have no root in themselves. It means you are not deep. The depth of a plant is the root, which cannot be seen. What is seen is the branches, the flowers. Often your root is hidden. 
by your roots is therein lies the secret of your strength. Amen. For a while believe, and then in a time of temptation. Another verse says, when persecution and trouble arise, they fall away. Amen. In the time of temptation, will you stand? In the time of difficulty, will you stand? It's not always easy to obey God. Sometimes you have to learn to cry, and yet you still obey God. Like Jesus, after rebuking Peter in the garden, uh, on, on the way to, what is it, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou severest not the things of God, but the things of men. After saying, for this hour came I into the world. After the Bible said, he set his face as flint towards Jerusalem. He said, I must go. I must be crucified. The Son of God must go into the earth and then be resurrected. All that. When he got to the garden, he said, if it be possible, let this cup let this cup pass. So sometimes you even know what is the will of God. But it doesn't mean it's easy to do. Amen, somebody? How did Jesus overcome that temptation? It was through prayer. He spent time with God. Amen. So that is the next key to being deep. Amen? Jude 21. But you, beloved, calling somebody to build for you, relying on somebody to build for you, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Building up yourselves. Everybody has spiritual muscles. But some muscles are not strong. I remember Bishop telling the story where they were learning in the classroom, in the dining room at Achimoto School, because they were on the Western compound, with some people, some guys himself, and then some sisters. And then at a point, the guys said they were tired, so they were going to sleep. And that he wanted to continue learning. And the sister said, if the guy was going, then they are afraid they are going. And the bishop said, oh, but I'm here. And they said, oh, by you. It's like he can't protect them. You see, you are liquid. You cannot protect us. Because he was a very lanky brother. They wanted a six-pack brother who could stand with them. Amen. It's the same thing for us. Some of us, we don't have any spiritual muscle at all. And of course, the Bible is not just do this, do this, do this. But whatever God tells us is for our sakes. Often, because of how life is, the pace of life is very fast. Things are moving. It's very difficult to stop and say, I have to pray. Because you feel something is urgent. Even when you are praying, your phone is crying. Oh, this is urgent. Let me take it. This is more important. This, you see, the urgent is not necessarily important. But we must come to the place where we build our spiritual muscles so that we will be deep and we will have roots in ourselves. If the Son of God had to pray in the garden, 
and for an angel to come and strengthen him and for him to have drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane, then you. You say, Lady Reverend, I'm strong already, sir. We need to build up ourselves. And you see, building up yourself is also working by faith. It's not every time you even think your prayer is going. But pray by faith that God has heard. And even when you see the opposite, sometimes you pray and rather the opposite is happening. Like when Moses was sent to the children of Israel, Pharaoh rather increased their burden. So they say, ah, as I'm praying, or as God says he's sending a deliverer, the burdens have increased. But usually, when you are getting close to the time of your breakthrough, things get worse. In labor, when you are getting to the time when the baby is coming, that is the most painful. And that is why you don't feel like pushing. And they say, try. Just one more time. Give it a push. It is crucial. That is when the pain is highest. Some of you, you do epidural, so you don't know, eh? <laughs> Labor alone teaches me that God's word is true. Hey, try not to go to hell, oh. Because our labor is so prophetic and real that in child in sorrow you shall give birth is not an easy thing. So if labor is true and hell is true, try not to go to hell. Because the water, the, the fire will not quench. And it's real. Amen. But usually, when the temperature is the highest, that's when you are about to come out as pure gold. And that's when you give up. Prayer is the key. Even when I can't see, prayer is the key. Even when it doesn't look like it will turn or it will be that way, prayer is the key. Building up yourselves. on your, You are in the most holy faith, okay, but you need to build up muscle. And it comes through prayer. Now we schedule everything except prayer. We schedule when we'll cook, when we'll eat, when we'll go to the market, when we'll come back, when we'll pick up the children, well, but we don't schedule prayer. And especially for w women, prayer is not easy. When my husband is praying, I don't go to his study. I feel that I must leave him to be with the Holy Ghost. And even the few times I've tried to go, when I open the door, the face that meets me <laughs> does not encourage me to go into the room. And even once he printed out and put do not knock on this door. He says it was for the household, but I wonder. <laughs> Let it be known unto you that if you continue to knock on this door, it shall not be opened unto you. <laughs> but when I am praying, all protocol is broken. When I'm praying, with, oh God, sometimes some wild worship music, you are you are in another world. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. Mommy, where did you see this, the socks was? The bread, is it fresh? Can it be used for toast? Do you just, oh, as I'm in heaven, you are bringing me here on earth. Does anybody relate to what I'm saying? Amen, ladies. But it should not stop us. I asked my husband, I said, when I go for wife's meetings, 
a lot of wives are saying that when they are praying and God is really moving, then their husbands want to take them out of a prayer closet to the bedroom. Why? I asked my husband. He said, uh, because when they are praying, they become more attractive. So I think that is why. I say that when we intrude, you say we are, we are, no, we are hindering the ministry. But sometimes when I'm coming to preach and I'm getting ready, the husband will come and say, oh, it's okay, God has spoken. Eh? You are anointed, God has spoken. Charlie, let's have some chips and some I say, no. Ah, sister, you are anointed, God has spoken, it's okay. So it's not easy for a woman. She has to juggle so many. After that come the children. They do not respect your prayer time. They will not go to their father's study, but they will come to yours. And they will ask you anything. But in spite of all that, but you, beloved, building up yourselves. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Pray. You, if you don't do that, you will never find a perfect time. If you don't schedule, you will never find a perfect time. And even when you say, I want to go away to go and wait on God, it's more than secondary school exits. <laughs> so why can't you wait on God here? So why can't you pray here? So why do you want to go so far away? So what are you going to pray about? So, hey! When you look at you, you say, I won't go again. <laughs> but you can create an altar wherever you are so that you can have depth. When Jesus was tempted, he advised the disciples. He said that you will be tempted. The spirit is willing, but this flesh is weak. But we like to quote it and leave it at that. But he said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Pray therefore that you enter not into temptation. Prayer delivers you in the time of temptation. Prayer delivers you before the temptation happens. And that's why the Bible says they receive the word with joy, but they have no root in themselves. So when persecutions and afflictions and other things arise, you are finished. But when you build your muscle before any happening in your life, it makes you strong. Amen. Jude 21 building up yourselves. There are things that you have to do yourself. Your prophet will pray for you. Your prophet will give you prophecies. All that is good, but there's something left for you also to do. As I was saying, if your husband has gone to start a church, now he's in a crusade, changing scenes of life. What are you going to do? He said, my husband, he's a spiritual person. He's the one who binds the devil. Ask for me. So when the devil comes in, my husband has gone for crusade. Try and come later. Is that? No. Sometimes your children fall ill. As soon as your husband steps out, that's when they fall ill. It used to happen to me. In those times, you need to rise up and cover them. And prayer is not something you just, it just comes. It's a learned thing. As you learn it, you become deeper. You become better. And you become conversant with God's voice. You become sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit. And you, beloved, building up yourselves 
on your most holy faith, praying, praying, praying in the spirit, in the spirit, because it's the Holy Ghost that knows what you should pray about. Amen. So we need to find roots in ourselves. We are talking about how to have a deeper Christian life. You may be in a church, but if you are not deep, you will fall away at the next shaking and crisis. Next time there's a problem in the church, your membership and commitment will be shaken. Only a shallow Christian will fall away when a great man of God gets into some scandalous sin. What have the sins of that man of God got to do with your own salvation? Why on earth would you think of leaving Christ because of someone else's mistakes. Christians behave in this way because they have no roots in themselves. Amen. Paul said in Galatians 6, 8, that if I or an angel come to tell you something that is not scriptural, do not receive it. But like I said this morning, some of us don't even know what is scriptural and what is not. So anything goes. I said this morning that a girl, I even can see her face and her name, joined the church. And then after coming around to the offering and all that, the church ended. And she was in my chapel in those days. So she came and said, Lady Reverend, when is Bishop going to bath us? And I said, bath. So the church I'm coming from after that, the pastor baths all the women. And I said, what verse? What verse is that? But you see, when you are desperate and you don't have any depth in yourself, you will be surprised at things you are capable of doing and the things you are capable of succumbing to. But when you have roots in yourself, it helps you not to be a shallow Christian that can be blown around easily. Amen, somebody. Another way to be a deep Christian or a spiritual Christian, therefore, you need depth, is to be filled. There are many empty Christians. There's nothing in them. They have little or no word in them. Neither are they full of the Holy Spirit or of love. They may speak in tongues, but the Bible says whenever we do so, we are just making a lot of noise. Emptiness will attract other things to fill that empty space. Luke 11.25 Luke 11.25 A spiritual vacuum will be filled with spiritual things, either positively or negatively. Nature abhors a vacuum, and every space will be filled. So when you look at Luke 11.25, And when an evil spirit cometh, he findeth it unoccupied. Amen. Jesus in this parable is talking about a man who had a demon. And then the demon was kicked out. The whole place was swept. Everything was nice in it. And the demon, the Bible says, went walking in waterless places, finding no rest. He said, ah, let me go and check out the house where I was kicked out and see the state of things. When he came, it was even better than when he was there. But when he was there, it was very dirty. But when he came back, it had been swept, garnished and everything, but it was empty. 
So he said, then let me go and invite seven more demons, more evil than myself. And the Bible says, and when he cometh, he found a swept and guy. He brought seven more demons. So the Bible says that the state of that man was worse than in the beginning. So when you as a Christian, things are swept out of you. And you don't fill your life, your heart, your spirit man with anything. More demons come and inhabit. Because the first time you were able to kick him out. The second time he comes in a stronger way. He has brought seven more cousins. So that when you are kicking him out, he's not one man. He goeth and he taketh to him seven other spirits more wicked. More wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Why did that happen? Emptiness. Don't be an empty Christian. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be an empty Christian. There are many things that we can be filled with. We can be filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians 3 verse 19. Paul was praying for the church of Ephesus. And he says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. When you know the love of Christ, it ends up that you are filled with all the fullness of God. Because God is love. And these are the things that we should fill our hearts with so that seven more demons, more wicked than the first, cannot be in us. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It means some of us are not filled. You may be half tank, you may be quarter tank, but you can be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? I know that one of the ways in, is singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is one of the ways that you become filled with the Spirit. Amen? So if you are not singing those and you are singing other things, you will be filled with other things. Amen? Some of you, the music you listen to, I was saying this morning, I went to somebody's outdooring and they were playing KK Kaibobo and all these type of in those days. Because she had given me a time, 12 o'clock, and then when I finished, it was a Saturday, so I said, oh, I finished everything at 10, so let me go quickly and rather come home early. So she was not expecting me. So when I went, the music was not easy. And then when she saw me, she said, oh, Reverend, please, I'm coming. And she went, then they started to pray, unto the Lord be the glory. Great things here. But that is only one day. Me, I just came to pass. But what do you fill your house with? Some of you, you fill your house with sad songs. You are already sad. Oh. Then you are playing Job Arohuni. Do you know Job Arohuni? You won't know. You are a younger generation. Job Arohuni. You cry. <laughs> Lead me to the rock that is higher Everything is self-pity. But be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs.
Amen. Those are the things that can fill us with the Holy Spirit. What do you play in your house? Sexual healing. See, my husband, he grew born again very early, and I had unbeliever siblings. So when I go out with him, sometimes they are playing some unbeliever. I'm just, oh, yes. I know this. He doesn't know any. any. <laughs> so when I say, oh, I know this song. Hey, sister, how do you know this song? Is there something I don't know? There's nothing you don't know. <laughs> but my unbeliever siblings played it all the time. So I know the words. But in your house, let there be singing and psalms and hymns and spiritual. Even in the kitchen, even in your, in your living room, let worship fill your house. Because when that happens, it's a way of also being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, when you go home today, please throw all that music out. Amen. Be filled with the knowledge of his will. It's also something you can be filled with, the knowledge of his will. Colossians 1.9 For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Amen. So you can be filled with the knowledge of his will, knowing what God's will is for your life. Because God's will is not always the popular majority. The whole nation said, crucify him. But democracy is not always right. But you have to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Nowadays, when Christians are even going to marry or find a marriage partner, they don't ask God. A man came to uh, one of our homecoming meetings from our church in Italy, and he gave a testimony. He went to bring some strange girl in his room. And in the night, when he was reaching out to touch the girl, he touched ice cool water. It was a fish. Yes. And when he touched the bed, it was also wet. I don't know how many of you were in that meeting. And he was so scared. So the next day, he had to go to work also, and he was trying to leave. And the lady looked at him and said, you found out, right? And the lady said, you go and come. When he came, the lady had left a note that if you tell anybody about what you have seen, it will not be easy for you. Amen. You are going to mind. Why should you go and bring a fish? You want to marry a human being. Want to marry a fish, but the Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, in all your ways acknowledge him, but in all our ways, we don't. We don't. And then when something happens, you say, Oh, somebody came to see me, she has married. I know her from the church. Went to marry. The pastor who counseled them told me that, Lady Reverend, I dissuaded her not to marry the guy from 2 o'clock to 6. Four hours. And after the counseling, she went and she married. 
And she came to my office and said, Lady Reverend, my husband solves all his problems by juju. On the honeymoon night, I saw that he has a lot of cats on his body. And he has put medicine in every single cat. First night. And then after that, she said, oh, she's tidying the wardrobe. Hey, covenant of blood, tight. I can call her now to give her testimony. And then she had a baby. The baby fell ill. The husband said, in this house, we don't go to the hospital. We call on other things. You are going to marry. You are led by your eyes. Especially the brothers. All that glitters is not gold. We see a godly sister. We say, this sister is a sister. Oh, no. I want shiny. And you won't even ask God. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall die. When you acknowledge him, you will be filled with the knowledge of his will. It is a prayer topic you can pray. You, your prayer topic is always just your husband. Change it. Look for spiritual prayer topics in the Bible. There are a lot that Paul prayed about. Even when you look at bishops with how to pray, you'll find a lot of scriptural prayer topics that you can pray. So being filled with the knowledge of his will is one of the things. Be filled with joy. 2 Timothy 1.4 Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Joy is something that can fill you. Most women or some women are filled with depression. You have made your life like a film. Every day you are playing the same scene. This John, he has married, had children, his children have had children, and you are still thinking about him. And what he did to you. You cannot release it. And your joy is going away. But you can be filled with joy. When you are filled with all these things, there will not be a place for demons. Be filled with faith. Amen? You can be filled with faith. Acts chapter 6 verse 5. And the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Stephen was already filled with faith or full of faith and the Holy Ghost before he was given a post in the church. It means that you too, as an ordinary Christian, can be full of faith and the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's not when he became a deacon, then he started to be filled, to be full of faith. No. As an ordinary Christian, he was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. Then when they were choosing people, they said, let's choose people who are full of the Holy Spirit so that we may appoint them. It means there's something you can see. So they use that as a criteria, one of the criteria to choose the people full of the Holy Ghost and of power. And they said, Stephen was full of faith. Amen. Finally, be filled with knowledge. Be filled with knowledge. The first knowledge was the knowledge of his will. That is when you understand what God's will is and what's going on in your life. And this one is be filled with all knowledge. Romans 15 verse 14. 
And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. You can only admonish someone when you yourself are full of knowledge. The knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is in his word and also in your experience with him. Some of you, you have no testimony. You have nothing to share. You, you have a testimony, but you don't know because you are not filled with knowledge. Amen. But when you are filled with knowledge, you don't have to be a lady pastor. When your foolish friends meet, like they did on the stage, and they are discussing something, what will come out of you is the word. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm ending, but I don't like to end without teaching people how. So I would like to just share quickly a fundamental thing. How to be filled with the word of God. How to be filled with the knowledge of God. How, how, one of the ways, I believe, is in Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate, meditate, meditate upon it day and night, day and night, day and night. So when you read the scriptures, when you hear the scriptures in the message, don't just let it go. Write it down. And as you are having your quiet time, put your name in the verse and meditate on it. If Jeremiah 29, 11, for instance, which is one of my favorites, says, I know the plans I have for you. You go up and down in your room. God says, I know the plans I have for you. Mommy, God knows the plans he has for you. Thank you, Father. You know the plans you have for me. I don't know, but you know. I don't know, but he knows. I know the plans I have for you, say the Lord. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster. Wow. To give me a future and a hope. You say it over and over to yourself. To meditate means to matter over and over. And at a point, it becomes a part of you. So that when the temptations come, like it came to Jesus in the wilderness, you will not be saying, what is that powerful word prophet preached? But you will say to Satan, it is written, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster. To give you a future and to give you a hope. I pray that you will be deep. And that you will not be empty or shallow but you will be filled with all the knowledge of his will. Amen. Stand to your feet, please. Please give us some music. Talk to God. I believe that it's a stirring of God. It's a revival of some sort. God is speaking to us, and God is turning our hearts back unto himself. Speak to God individually is not a group thing. Neither is it a social thing. It is a spiritual thing. Speak to him and say, Lord, help me to have root in myself. So that when the things and the temptations and afflictions arise, I will stand. Help me to be full of the good things that have been read out. Full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the knowledge of your will. Full of faith full of all knowledge. Lord, let my life be full so that Satan will not have an entrance into me. Father, help me to be a deep Christian, to build myself up on my most holy faith.
praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. When I'm in my shop, when I'm in the bath, when I'm driving, when I'm doing anything, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, building myself up. Let it be a new beginning for you in Jesus' name. Give us some music, please. Talk to God. Talk to God.
It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243 187 900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.